Lord, you can be seated. Ah, it's this guy again. Man. How many of you want to increase your spiritual IQ? All right. I was talking to uh, Brother C about about that very thing a few years ago, and um, he was talking about his mother. I don't remember what type of education that, that she had, but um, he was talking about how that all of her children, I don't think she went to college. Is any of her grandchildren here today? No? That must have got it wrong. Um, but um, like my father was, was saying, my grandmother I had a sixth grade, eighth grade education, um, and we were talking about how, what type of value do you put in someone that can tell you what's going to happen tomorrow or next week? Now, I'm not talking about a fortune teller, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about <laughs> when I was about 21 or so, um, just got married. Wife was pregnant. I was going to college full time. I was working full time. I had a yard cutting business, um, involved in church, and um, I needed I needed a job that I could make money and I didn't have to work so much. I don't mind hard work, but I needed a little bit more time. So there was a gentleman that started talking to me about working in his store, and um, so. I scrounged up a little money, and I bought some diamonds. He had a jewelry store, and I had a little place in the side where I sold diamonds. And um, so my grandmother didn't really like me in that situation too much, but we talked about it a few times, and I said, well, grandmother, you know, I'm working this many hours. I'm making this much money. I'm going to school. And so this went on for about two years, and um, so I had this dream. And in the dream, um, I was on a a floating dock that had broke away from the, the shore and I was I remember it like it was today and that's been 27 years ago um, and I'm on this dock and I'm kind of in the middle and there were snakes all around me I was out in the middle of the lake and there were snakes that kept trying to get they couldn't get enough speed going to get up on the dock to get me but uh, but they were trying and and I'm not scared of snakes. I I I, um, I can I'll pick them up, you know. Especially if they're not poisonous, I'll handle. I'm I'm not scared of snakes, but in this dream, I was terrified. And so I woke up, and I don't remember if it was that day, the next day. I was talking to my grandmother, and I told her, I said, "Yeah, I had this dream. I didn't think much about it. Not you know. She was probably asking me how I slept last night, what did I eat, whatever." I says, "Well, I had this dream." And so I told her about the dream. And she says, well, she said, I'll tell you what that dream means. That dream means that you, where you are right now, you're surrounded by spirits. And you need to get out of there as quick as possible. Now, I had a family, had a baby on the way, or maybe she's probably born at this, yeah, she was born at the time, uh, going to school, doing all this stuff. And then I was like, man, I'm so much money and not working but this many hours and it lets me study more and do this more but my wife will tell you I went into the store I told the gentleman I said I said I'm out of here 
you know, this was like maybe I talked to her Sunday. It was Monday, something like that. Um, I said, I'm out of here. I got all my stuff. And he, what, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, he was making an override on what I was doing. And, you know, he didn't want me to leave. And I said, man, I'm out. I didn't give any explanation. I got all my stuff. Um, went, you know, and I left. And it was maybe a day or two later. He had been dealing cocaine out of that store. And it, I'm not going to say his name, but some of you here know who I'm talking about and probably remember it happening. But GBI comes in. They clear out the store and everything that was in it, arrested him, arrested somebody else that worked with him. And I have no doubt that if I was in that store, um, I would have probably been arrested. Um, I'm sure I would have been you know, vindicated later on, but uh, they would have taken everything in there. Don't know if I would have gotten it back. Um, so how can you put a value on that? You know, if my grandmother had 160 IQ, she would have broken down the numbers for me. She'd have said, Scott, you know, you're making, uh, you know, $100 an hour. And if you do this and this, you're going to make $15 an hour. You're only doing that for three hours. That allows you, actually, you probably need to work another hour when you go to the store. You know, that's probably what she would have said. That would have made perfect sense, right? But, but she didn't say that. She says, says you, need to, you need to get out of there as soon as possible. So it is important that we increase our spiritual IQ. And like Brother Vidal was saying, my, my dad was saying, um, you know, that, that comes by prayer, comes by reading the word and fasting. So as part of your overcomer's challenge, again, um, if at all possible, try to put in that 15 minutes, 30 minutes, if, you, if that's what you do, if that is your challenge, that's fine. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But um, Whenever I was, I was growing up, I played Little League Baseball at um, American Little League over here. And um, I played for the Braves. I found my pitcher. I think my mom may have kept it, but I found my pitcher in a box that she packed some stuff away in. Um, I was an ugly little kid, man. <laughs> it didn't get much better, but... Um, but I remember uh, starting off my, my first year, um, there was a young guy that played on the team. He was about three or four inches taller than everybody else. And um, he was stronger. He was faster. Had great hand-eye coordination. He was 12 and I was 11. Um, one of the reasons was his dad was the coach. And... Um, I'm sure that his dad taught him the correct way to do certain things when he was five, six, seven, eight, whatever. But besides that, he was faster. He was taller. His arms were longer. He threw, man, I think Little League was like, what, 60 feet or something. And I mean, he would throw the ball so fast, you know, it, you couldn't even see, see it coming in. Um, and he was the best player. He was on our team. He was the best player. Uh, in American League. He might have been best player in the city. I don't know. Um, so fast forward about six years. Um, I, was in high, I was in high school, and my coach, baseball coach, he said, Scott, they've got this uh, seniors league at uh, Columbus State, and I got a letter, and they want you to come play in the league. And I was like, well, okay, that's, that's great. I love baseball. So I went to play, and they assigned us, you know, our teams and our coaches. And so we went 
uh, to Columbus State, the ball field there, and, uh, you know, it was probably maybe 100, 100 guys there, something like that, broken down into like six teams. And wouldn't you believe, no, it, I show up, and my old coach from Little League was, my, was one of the coaches that, I, that was uh, managing the baseball team. He's come, he comes over, and Carrie, he didn't know that my name had changed, you know. But he said, Carrie, how you doing, you know. And we started talking. He said, uh, he said I see here that you pitch and uh, this, and then, you know. I said, yeah, we started talking. And he says, uh, he says okay, and we didn't have a lot of time to practice. We were still going to school. and uh, So we pretty much just showed up and played. There was like 15 guys on the team, and his son was one of the guys on the team. This young guy, that was, so automatically I'm thinking, we're going to win this. You know, we had like maybe 10, 12 games we played and then a little tournament. And I was like, we got this. And so the first, uh, the first game that we played, I pitched in it, went over um, in, the, in the little area there to warm up and um, didn't really pay much attention. But get out there and his son's not playing. And he's sitting on the bench. I'm like, well, maybe he's going to start next game pitching. And, you know, he's not. Which generally in high school, uh, brother, like Brother Gary Debbie F., they'll tell you, if you can play decent, if you're a good player, if you pitch, the next game you normally play shortstop. The next game you normally play center field, right? And when you get in the major leagues, you just have that one position. Um, but... So I'm thinking, well, maybe it's something, you know, he's going to pitch the next game. Well, the next game comes and goes, he don't play again. Then the third game, he don't play again. So I didn't have the guts to ask him, but a couple of guys that I had befriended, I said, hey, man, I said, what's going on? Why isn't he playing? He said, man, the only reason this boy's on this team is because his dad's the coach. I said, what do you mean? He said, man, he didn't even start the high school he went to. He's not any good. And I was, just, I was confused. I was really confused, and I started learning then that what was once great over time, if you do not put energy into it, if you don't attend to it, it becomes good, and then over time, it becomes subpar, below average, and then keep going a little bit longer, it becomes terrible, right? I'll give you another story, and this one applies to me. About, um, I started playing drums when I was like 13, 14 years old. Um, Brother Mark Riles helped me a lot, uh, showed me different beats, and I kind of, I would practice and got a little better, a little better, a little better. And eventually I got to where I was, you know, I was pretty decent on the drums. I uh, could play pretty much anything that I, that I could hear. And about 15 years ago or so, Brother Josh Wilson started playing the drums. And there was a little bit less need for me to play. I played, we split it up about half and half, maybe. And then Brother Donnie, you know, he's like 14 months old, you know, and he's like, <laughs> so then it was like, you know, Brother Josh, 45%, me, uh, Donnie, 45, and, you know, I'd play one out of every 10 songs. And that was generally the old ones. That's what happens when you get older, you know. Like, hey, we need Brother Scott to play this one because, you know, this is from 47 years ago. So that's where I come in. So, but it's funny, a few Wednesdays ago, my daughter called.
called me and she said, Dad, um, now she texts me actually. I might have to talk to her about that. Um, but now she texts me and she said, well, Sister Stephanie's not going to be there and uh, Donnie can't be there, so can you come play the drums? And I got that rush that Brother Vidal was talking about earlier. I was like, drums? Have you ever run on the beach? You know, that's how I felt. I'm on the drums, and my mind still knew, knew what to do. But my hands just, I just, it, it. and I can go ahead and tell you that um, over time, I guess, you know, 55, 60, um, you probably won't see Brother Scott playing the drums anymore because I'll be terrible. Now I'm subpar, and then the next step is. But what you give energy to will thrive. It will survive. If you look around in your life and you say, well, what are the things that when I wake up in the morning, I'm constantly attentive to, I'm constantly giving energy to? Whatever that is, I can just go ahead and tell you that that's going to be, if your children, you're all constantly putting energy, you're constantly attentive to them. I can tell you they're going to be good children. If your marriage, if you say, well, you know, our marriage is disintegrating. Well, I can go ahead and tell you you're not putting energy in it. It's pretty simple. It's kind of like whenever you ever seen a lamp, whenever the, the, the power starts and you see the lamp start dimming, you know, before your power goes out, right, before your marriage goes out, you see the, the lights going down and boom, and it's gone, right? Well, that's because you're not putting, you're not putting energy, you're not giving it attention. And so we have to be, we have to be cognizant of that. We have to be aware uh, to give energy and attention to the right things, to the important things. Um, so we'll move on into our uh, overcomer's lesson, and, and this is going to be short. I've got 17 minutes, but I'll try to do it in 5 or 10. And um, If you want to, like I said, if you want to come in up afterwards, if you need a card after I uh, challenge us, uh, if you're not going to be here next week, if you're going to be here next week, then uh, we'll, we'll give out some cards then. And you can write write down what you're going to do. Um, this is one thing that I used to tell our class. Um, they've probably heard it a hundred times. But it's something that I believe is an axiom. It's a self-evident truth. It's something that's not going to change. If you can convince yourself that it's someone else's fault, then you're never going to change. If you have convinced yourself that it's outside, look, it's outside of my control anyway. Somebody else's fault. That's the reason. Whenever I have young people that have come up and they say, Brother Scott, I want to learn this instrument. And, um, and I'll say, okay. Um, you know, and I'll say, well, we start talking, you know. And almost always in their mind, the thing that is in between them and where they want to be it's always out of their control, right, when we start. So they'll talk about things like, well, it's so complicated, you know, the chords and, and the scales, and, you know, and I'll stop them. And I'll say, look, I can show you that stuff in five to ten minutes. I could sit anybody down in this room that's over the age of seven. If you can add one plus one, I can show you every chord on the piano, all the major chords, I can show them to you in three to five minutes all the scales, 
Are you kidding me? If you want to play the drums, I can give you a couple of exercises. And, you know, you're not going to be Neil Perk or the best drummer ever. But you could get up there and play those drums and nobody would know the difference between me and you, for sure. Maybe between you and Donnie. But, <laughs> but you could play the drums, right? A couple of exercises. I can write them down. Right, left, right. Right, left, right, right. Yeah, paired up. Ryan was one of my students. Right, left, right, right. Left, right, left, left. Very easy stuff. And you say, Brother Scott, why aren't more people, if it's so easy, why aren't more people just tremendous violin players and piano players and drum? Because that's not the hard part. The hard part's you. That's the hard part. It's you. It's not, it's not all these exterior things. It's not, no, no, it's you. So what I'll tell the young people is, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. I want you to do that for 30 minutes a day for the next week. And then I want you to come back in and see me. So they'll come back and, you know, or, or I generally will go to them after a few weeks. Hey, how's things going? You know, well, you know, I said, well, did you, did you lose what I told you? Right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. It's pretty simple. You just right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. That's it. Yeah, I did it one day, but, you know. and <laughs> Piano, same thing. Hey, look, you see this? One plus this. This is a chord. Play. That's not the hard part. The hard part's you. It's you doing it every day, practicing. This applies to, to anything in life that it's up, uh, up to you. And I, and I know we all understand through God. God created us. We need God, but... It's in your hands. And I've told people before, we give too much, when I say we, I'll say myself, we give too much credit to the devil. Most of the time it's us, right? It's us getting in the way. So what is an overcomer? Revelation 21.7 says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Overcome what? That's what I started thinking whenever I was studying this years ago. I believe this scripture is talking about overcoming this. This right here. Overcoming the flesh. And in submitting yourself to his will. The desert in the Bible was a place where people went to work things out of their flesh. The desert was a type of the flesh in the Bible. The children of Israel wandered the desert for 40 years working things out of their flesh. But on the other side was the promised land. Joshua 5, 6, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. So for sake of time, I'll go through uh, you know, some of the examples that I've given in the Bible. Um, Moses had to go to the desert. David had to go to the desert. Um, Jesus himself, if you read in Matthew, when he came out, before he came out to his ministry, read, read the verses right before that, and you'll see that he went through the desert. And when he came out, he came out into his ministry. And... So when I was reading through this, and Brother Dow uh, taught about it, uh, and then Brother McClary also touched on it, 
uh, to put your shoes back on, and they talked about this, but in, uh, in the Old Testament, Gideon, if you read that passage of Scripture, Gideon, you know, he was, he was so afraid, or he was, he was, you know, coward, whatever you want to say, but then if you read there, he, he made a sacrifice, and the Bible says he made a sacrifice of flesh, and after he did that, he stepped out into his, into his calling, into his ministry, into his anointing. And so it's something that in order for you to become the person that God wants you to be, you've got to overcome this. It's got to happen. I remember whenever um, we were at the other church, there was a, a missionary that came through. And I don't know why I remember this so vividly. I remember where I was sitting. And he said, how many of you are happy with where you are right now in life? And there was maybe 130, 40 people in the building. And I looked, and nobody raised their hand. Nobody raised their hand. And I thought about that. And I said, you know, I didn't raise my hand either. You know, I didn't raise my hand. The way... He, Maybe the way he worded it was, was you're totally fulfilled in life. Whatever, however he worded it, lets you know that there's more out there. You need to be better. You need, you need to be a better person. You need to have a greater spiritual walk. You need to get closer to God. And overcomers helps us in that regard to become better people, to come, become better children of God. Um, so the overcomers challenge, what is it? We talked about it a little bit um, in the last lesson, but for 60 days, 30 minutes a day, every day, you can't miss a day. So it's not, uh, when you practice an instrument, you, in order to get to excel, you can't wait two weeks and then practice three hours, and then wait for three weeks and practice five hours. That, that don't really get you anywhere. But if you would practice 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, but do it every single day. Um, I was trying to think of an example of how, how to uh, how explain this to you, but what happens is, is your, your body, if you, like if you're playing the saxophone, and AJ's great at this. He learned it whenever I, he was younger than me. That's my excuse. He was younger than me, but, but he's great at this. He, he just plays, right? He's not thinking about it. He just, he just playing, you know. Um, some of that got into the speech part of his brain. So it's like, you know, when you're 95 and you, you know, you, you don't remember your name, or your, but you can still talk, right? Your brain's not working, but you can still talk. Well, when it gets into the speech part of the brain, right, it becomes, I'll give you a, a, one example. Well, let me finish the other one first. Please. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Blame my dad for that, the rabbit trails. Um, <laughs> um, so, see, I forgot where I, where I was at now. So, <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, if you're playing the piano, if I'm playing the piano, and somebody comes up and talks to me, I'm doing one or two things. I'm either talking to you or I'm playing the piano, but not both, right? If you ever come in, up and talk to me, unless I'm on the drums, which I'm, I never will be probably from now on, but if I'm playing an instrument and you start talking to me, 
that's not in the speech part of my brain because I learned it at an older when I was older, right? But my daughters, they learned piano when they were three, four, five, right? So they can be playing, carrying on the conversation, right? Playing, playing the song, playing whatever. Um, and so AJ is similar to that. He, you know, he can just play, and I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm doing next, and he, he's just doing it. But, but these are things that, <clears throat> over time, again, if we don't, if we don't use it, we're going to lose it. Um, our spiritual walk with God, same thing. If we don't use it, we're going to lose it. Um, Julius Caesar said something interesting. He said, it's easier to find men that are willing to volunteer to die than to suffer pain with patience. It's easier to find men willing to die than to suffer pain with patience. And, but the pain with patience, that's what, that's what gets you down the road. That's what gets you to excel is being able to, to suffer through, continue to do it, continue to do it, and, of course, in the end, there's great reward. Um, when we participate in Overcomers, we'll be pushing the flesh, and we will get to see who is really in control. This is kind of like, um, you know, if you've seen the seesaw, when, you know, and, you, and you've got the, um, the fulcrum, you know, here, and you kind of see who's heavier, right? You can, you can tell that. If you have a child that weighs 90 pounds and one that weighs 40, what's going to happen? <laughs> Be like this, right? And you can kind of see if the flesh is in control or is the spirit in control. You say, hey, flesh. And th these are the examples I give, give the class. And we all can do it. We can do it. Because I guarantee you, if any of you have ever been to college and you graduated, there are nights that you went to bed at 3.30 and woke up at 6 o'clock and you had to tell yourself, you are getting out of bed. Matter of fact, I would talk to myself, right? People probably thought I was crazy, but if they were in the room, that I would say, Scott, get up. And I would have to make myself get up. Well, if you've ever done that, that person you're talking to, when you say, Scott, Sister Wilson, get up. That person, that, that's what I'm talking to in here. I would call it the beast in my class. <laughs> That was just to get them to remember it. But I would say, hey, talk to that beast and tell it. I'm going to read my Bible and pray 30 minutes a day for the next hour of long, no matter what. I'm going to exercise, play the instrument, what, whatever it is you decide. I'm going to do it, and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, and the great thing about this is that it has such a, um, a salutary effect for all parts of your life. Because when it comes tax time, and it's March the 3rd, and you say, you're going to do your taxes, guess what? You're going to go to your office or whatever, and you're going to do your taxes. You're not going to wait till April 15th, you're going to do them, right? Mothers are, are awesome at this. Mothers are awesome. I remember my wife, when our children were born, she would nurse, and... I used to could go, you know, two or three days without sleep. But after that, you know, 50, 60 hours, I would sleep like 12 hours. I can catch up on sleep. My wife would go on like two hours of sleep because she was working, she was nursing, she was doing church. 
she would go on like two, three hours of sleep, and she would do that for weeks and weeks. So you can push yourself. There's things that we can do you can't imagine. We can push ourselves. And it's kind of, um, and, and I might say it's not hard for me as well. It, very difficult when I started, very difficult. But isn't it kind of funny that I'm talking about 30 minutes a day? And how difficult that is, where, where we've got to, where that's, that's difficult, that's hard to do. Um, but if you do it, if you can push yourself, if you can do it, you will be blessed for it. I guarantee you. I've never had one person that's come back and said, Brother Scott, man, you know, I lost 22 pounds and it's the most terrible thing. Um, you know, you, now I can play the guitar and, man, I wish I didn't know how to play the guitar, you know. I've never had it happen one time. And so this will be something that will bless you. So if you all, we all can stand. I guess I'll say a prayer and dismissal, Brother Dow. Is that okay? Okay. Um, be thinking about, about what you want to do. Keep in mind that we, we do have uh, cold weather probably for the next month. Um, if you pick walking, you may want to have some way to walk indoors or maybe have an alternate to work out or something like that. Um, if you need ideas, you say, Brother Scott, I don't really know, you know, I, can, I could give you plenty of ideas. Um, we've had people that's worked on second languages, um, you know, studied. I think Brother Jets was, um, was homiletics and studying, something like that. Reading, reading, okay. Um, but whatever it is for you, make, it, make up in your mind. And I, I didn't go through... Um, a few other examples that I have, but make up in your mind, hey, I'm crossing the Rubicon. I'm doing this, and I'm not going back. There is no going back. Uh, kind of like jumping out of the plane, you know. You jump out of the plane, there's no going back, right? <laughs> you better hope your parachute works. Well, jump out of the plane, you know. Make a commitment that, hey, doesn't matter. I'm doing this. doesn't matter if, if I'm tired, if I'm weary. I'm still going to get up and, and pray, or I'm going to get up and exercise, pray and exercise, then read my Bible, that you're going to do it, and again, you'll be blessed. If you're not going to be here next week, I have cards. Um, if you want to just come up, hopefully there's not a lot of people that won't be here next week, but I have cards. You can go ahead and put your name, your number, um, and um, you know what you're going to do, and again, we'll disseminate that to the group leaders that will be in contact with you. And, uh, and they'll encourage you. And again, going back to our first lesson, we're going to make a, a goal. We're going to have a goal. We're going to do this for 60 days. We're going to do it with other people. We're going to help other people to finish and accomplish it. Uh, so with that, we'll say a, a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for the time. We thank you for the privilege that it is to come into this place and to dwell with brothers and sisters and uh, we just thank you, God, for your perfect plan, for your design, the way that you designed us. And uh, you are such a great God, such a rewarding God. And um, we just thank you for this time together and uh, for, the, for the lesson. We hope that it bless someone, that it will be retained. And we pray everyone safe travels back home and to see you next. In Jesus' name.